Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is the Slow Poisoner. I come to you from the future with these words of warning. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot horror planet. It's a hot. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 84. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. Attention comic book fans, Lee's Comics of Mountain View, California has closed. But here's the good news. Lee's Comics eBay store is still going strong with over 10,000 vintage comics, the majority of which are now on sale for half off. Choose from Lee's huge stock of golden, silver, bronze, and modern age comics, and specializing in Silver Age Marvel titles. You can count on friendly service, accurate grading, and quick, secure shipping backed by a money-back guarantee. To check out Lee's eBay store, go to eBay. Click Advanced Search to the left of the search bar, scroll down to Sellers, and enter Lee's Comics, Inc., period. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S. I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Lee's Comics is shipping daily with no delays. New items daily. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast and get a free bonus gift. Long title, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Song One by One by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. A book that examines each song, gives lots of details about each song and our own personal opinions. You can find this book on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere where good books are being sold. Our webpage is wordpress.monkeys.com, where you can see many of the songs and give your own opinions of them. And we will be discussing this more on Zilch. Hey, Michael, it says here we've written another book about the monkeys. Wasn't the first one enough? Not at all, Mark. Our original book, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Songs One by One, was very successful, but only covered half the story. Which half? The group half. Our new book, Headquartered, A Timeline of the Monkey's Solo Years, covers the solo half. Who knew the monkeys record so many solo albums? Not only that, but this book covers all of their solo projects, including stage shows, horse racing, running record labels, directing and starring in TV shows and movies, voice acting, and jail. Jail? Did the monkeys go to jail? Ah, you have to read the book to find out. You've sold me. Have you sold them? Who, who, who's them? Those people out there listening to this. Well, listen to this. This book has discographies, photos, and other information about the prefab for Mickey, Davey, Peter, and Mike, the solo monkeys, plus another nifty cover by Scott Shaw. Wow, he did our last cover, and this one's equally good. Where can you get this masterpiece? Announcer. Announcer? That's me. <clears throat> Get Headquartered, a timeline of the monkey solo years, written by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. Those two guys. It's available in hardback, paperback, or ebook from BearManorMedia.com or from Amazon. Get your copies today. Cool. 
I'm going to get one today. My Warren Kremer book and my TTV scrapbook are finally being worked on again after being on the shelf for the past few months due to the pandemic. I'm still working on my Madden Disney books and back issue articles on Sid and Marty Croft and Patty Freeling, and I will also be doing an article for them soon on Popeye. As far as my other books, they're all available through Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and mostly through BearManorMedia.com. Our guest today is my co-author on my two monkeys books, long title, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkeys' Songs One by One, and Headquartered, Timeline of the Monkeys' Solo Years. But today we're going to talk about one of his books on how to argue the Constitution with a conservative. Here he is, Michael A. Ventrella. If you'd like to see this episode visually, take a look on YouTube. I'll be posting our Zoom podcast there. So, with me today, I have Michael Ventrella. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Nice to see you, Mark. Okay. Okay, so um, we'll probably talk about a bunch of different things, but I uh, wanted to talk today about how to, how to argue the Constitution with a conservative. Yes, that's, uh, <laughs> that's uh, one of my latest books. It's my, one of my nonfiction books, along with the Monkeys books that, obviously, we wrote together. Yes. Um, <laughs> but this one is a little... Uh, little more serious in some ways but still very humorous and funny you know it, i wanted to look at the constitution in a, as the eye of a lawyer a former constitutional law professor politician you know someone with a political science background who specializes in the constitution who's worked with the aclu you know i, I have some experience i'm not just some guy writing a book let's put it that way <laughs> 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 which is one well, reason i was curious about it, because people you know uh on Facebook, of course, you know, people always say, well, who gives you uh, whatever? And sometimes you even correct me on certain things. So, you know, I, I do not profess to be an expert on any of this, but we've all are guilty of being experts in the last few years. <laughs> Especially with politics. And, and actually, I should say with science, because everyone thinks they know better than the, than the experts at science right. quite often on, online, too. And I feel very frustrated about that. Right. Um, but especially with the Constitution, everyone thinks they know better. It's like, you know, people will go to a doctor and the doctor will say, well, based on my years of experience, I'm going to say that you have this. And so, oh, thank you, doctor. But if I say, based on my years of experience, this is what the Constitution say, everyone goes, no, it doesn't. I go, Look, maybe I might know what I'm talking about. OK, <laughs> people read into it what they want to read into it. In right. some ways, the Constitution is like the Bible, mm -hmm. because some people will read the Bible and they think that their interpretation is the only one that possibly could be made and anyone else who thinks it differently is completely wrong and an idiot. And some <laughs> people look at the constitution that way too, and they're, and they're wrong. It's, it's subject to interpretation. Right. So one of my questions was, what is the most frequent misconception? I mean, that might be a lengthy answer, but you know, overall with the constitution. Well, I, I, I'd sort of tie it to that. The constitution was written by politicians. There are a whole bunch of compromises in the Constitution that were made, like the Three-Fifth Compromise and the Virginia Compromise, and I talk about those in the book. Um, and, and to think that it was done by gods and carved in stone is the biggest misconception that I always have to beat people over the head. Well, the founding fathers wouldn't want this. I don't care what a bunch of slave-owning white rich men <laughs> thought 250 years ago. What's going to apply now? You right. know, it's, it's, it's that kind of mindset we have to break more than anything else. Right. It, it, it's... it's we want to live up to the 
ideals of the Constitution without necessarily being tied to the stupid parts of it. <laughs> right. What do, you, what do you think about people who argue with you, with one or anyone, not just you, but uh, about, you know, well, these are, and I'll use the typical example, this is my Second Amendment rights. It can never be changed, yet the word amendment is a change already. Yes. So. <laughs> and the problem is people will read into it exactly what they want to read into it. And they'll say, well, the Second Amendment says you can't restrict my guns at all. And I'll say, no, the Supreme Court has said you certainly can. You know, there are, there are reasonable restrictions that can be done. And then they go, no, it doesn't say that. And I go, look, the Constitution says whatever the judges say it says. For instance, <laughs> up till a few years ago, look, my opinion has always been that the Constitution protects gay and lesbian people because they are people under the 14th Amendment. Mm -hmm. But until this summer, when the Supreme Court came out with that decision, that wasn't true. So my opinion might have said one thing, but what is true is whatever the judges say it's true. So right. that's one of the arguments I have to make with people all the time. They'll read into it and say, well, it says this. And yeah, but judges disagree with you. And they're the ones who decide what the Constitution means. I'm sorry, the law says this, even if I disagree with it. So I don't know how to phrase this. <laughs> I mean, because it kind of demeans the, the, the value of a judge in a certain way. Basically, a judge can just change his tune on a regular basis, really, correct? Well, yes, but that's why we have a Supreme Court to make those kind of decisions. The Supreme Court has obviously reversed itself many times. You know, they'll make a decision and then a okay. new court will come in with new members and they'll decide something differently. Um, so yeah, the, the meaning of the Constitution can change over time too. And obviously it should. What was considered cruel and unusual punishment in 1786 is not what we consider cruel and unusual punishment today. You know, <laughs> words change, meanings change. And to say we have to decide we have to base our opinions on what the founding fathers thought. Well, what did the founding fathers think of internet regulations? Mm -hmm. You know, it, there are things that the founding fathers had no idea about. If you had told the founding fathers that we'd have a black president, their heads would have exploded. You know, <laughs> it, the idea of having women in the room as senators, they wouldn't have believed that either. We can't, we can't limit ourselves Amish-like to a time that doesn't exist anymore. Right. <laughs> and and yeah. that's one of the biggest arguments I usually have with people. <laughs> Is, yeah. is they, no, one, one that I always, and I know the answer, but I'll, I'll have you talk about it. Uh, the one I always see is, oh, well, and this is, of course, before Biden made a, a choice. Now he's chosen Kamala Harris as the mm -hmm. vice president for the Democrat side. Uh, but they said, well, why doesn't he pick Barack Obama to be his vice president? Because Barack Obama could be president again because there's been a four-year gap, you know, yeah. and it's like, no, you know, no. So what... <laughs> For those people who don't know, what are the rules for the president, uh, the maximum he can serve, and how he can serve? <laughs> well, the, in order to be president, you have some restrictions. You have to be a natural-born citizen. You have to be 35 years of age. You have to have lived in the United States for a certain amount of time, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and because of a later amendment put in after FDR, there's now a restriction for two terms or 10 years. And the reason they said over 10 years is so that say a president dies in office and someone takes over for the last two years, they can still run more than once, right. um, which could have happened with Johnson when, when Kennedy died, Johnson could have run again. Right. So basically a president is limited to that much time. So there's no way Obama is eligible to be vice president because he's ineligible to be president. The vice president has to be able to take over if the president suddenly dies. And, even if, uh, um, and I know, I know the answer, but uh, even if 
let's say he was the vice president for Biden and and Biden died day one. And uh, then Obama went in there and he could serve two years, you know, and just, you know, I, to make that I maximum think, of 10. <laughs> uh, no, because when, when you're running for office, you that's that's sort of the same argument as if someone had been president for nine years and decided to run for re-election for a four-year term. <laughs> you know, the courts would say, no, you're not eligible for presidents because it's a four-year term. Right. So I, I don't think that would apply at all. Yeah. No, I, 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 I mean, I do, I do know all this, but I figured I will give you. That's what I argue with people on Facebook all the time. And they'll say little situations like that. Now, well, people, what about the situation where, uh, let's say... Uh, Donald Trump decides to postpone the election, which is not very possible, but you can talk about that too. And Pelosi could possibly be president. How, how does that work? That, that is a possibility. What would happen is if, oh, well, first of all, he doesn't get a chance to, to postpone the election. The elections are run by the states and there's no way the states are going to go along with it, especially not the blue states. <laughs> so yeah. he can't just stop it. He can't stop the election. It's going to happen. We had an election during the Civil War. We had an election every time there was an election. We can do it this time. There's nothing unusual. But if somehow, let's say that they are trying to count the votes, and he's challenging it in court, and something is coming up, and it's January 20th, and it's time for the president to take office, he doesn't get to stay. No, he, his term ends on January 20th. And if we don't know who the new president is, then yes, the Speaker of the House becomes president. Okay, so it would be the Speaker of the House because also, you know, and I think I misspoke on Facebook, uh, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, so Pelosi's term actually ends January 3rd, correct? So she wouldn't, it would be the Speaker of the House. It wouldn't necessarily be her. It'd be correct. Yeah, the next if they Speaker of the House. Speaker, if yeah, they elect okay. a different Speaker of the House, it would be whoever the Speaker of the House is. Okay. But I don't okay. expect that to change. Yeah. And when when I said my comment, you know, hey, say say hello to P- President Pelosi. I wasn't thinking about that the term ended it on a different date, but you know, yeah, it does. Yeah. So I stand corrected on that one. <laughs> okay. Um, here's one for you. So so since you are a criminal defense lawyer and yes. you are always working with different cases that could arguably, <laughs> to whom you're talking about, uh, mirror something that Donald Trump is or isn't doing. Um, does this have any effect on your job? <laughs> Meaning, he seems to be getting away with certain things. And uh, does not, that make your job, job harder because that decision has been made about him? Does it trickle down to your cases at all? Not really. In my cases are pretty basic, you know, local cases, you know, people getting DUIs, you know, and getting into fights and normal, you know, it's, 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 even though I have some big cases, what happens in the White House hasn't changed much. What is more important in Pennsylvania, since I'm dealing with Pennsylvania law and not federal law, is who our attorney general is and who our governor is and who our state legislature is more than anything else. I actually have an appeal now with the Pennsylvania Superior Court challenging the constitutionality of our laws on DUI laws regarding marijuana. And I've got the ACLU has joined me. And basically we're saying the way the current law says is if you have any amount of marijuana in your system, then you're guilty of driving under the influence, even if you smoked it 10 days earlier, because it's still in your system. Mm. Right. And at the time that law was written, marijuana was completely illegal everywhere. Mm-hmm. Now it's not. We have medical marijuana in Pennsylvania. And so I'm saying the law is unconstitutional because it's punishing people who aren't guilty. They're not driving under the influence. You know, <laughs> and, you know, he could have smoked it in a different state where it was legal. So you're punishing somebody for something that's legal. So right. we'll see what happens with that appeal. That ought to be fun. Yeah. Although <laughs> so I, I, I do every once in a while get constitutional issues, but not that often. Yeah. 
Although, uh, you know, this is my fiance and I, we, we do, don't tell anybody during this pandemic, we travel around occasionally, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you know, we're very safe and everything. So well, it's legal where you are. So, you know, you can get away with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm in still, Pennsylvania. It's, it's, it's only we still have to wear, yeah. But I mean, uh, here's an interesting <laughs> thing. So we went to Crater Lake. Crater Lake is federal land. So it has a big sign mm-hmm. saying you can't smoke it here. We don't care what Oregon says. So, yes. um, that is true. You have issues like that. I mean, where it's uh, legal in some, say, some county or some uh, national park or something. Not just marijuana, just any sort yes. of. Yes. Yeah. You know, One of the problems we have in America is we have hundreds and hundreds of different legal units. Yeah. You know, every state has its own different laws and every county has its own different regulations, you know, and then a city might have a different rule. In Philadelphia, for instance, they passed a law that says that if you're caught with marijuana, it's just a, it's just a ticket. You don't mm-hmm. get a misdemeanor like you will every place else, you know. So in a sense, little communities can actually change their laws, too. So, yeah, you need to know what the law is in your local area. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Let's see. What is another one that people ask about? Um, well, the Electoral College is one. Yeah. I have a whole Okay, there you go. That's a good college. one. Electoral College. Because... People, I'm always arguing with people about that. And, and quite often the argument comes down to, but that's what the founders want, which goes back to my main point about who cares what the founders want, you know? Um, it, it is a completely undemocratic system that we need to get rid of. And I said that long before George W. Bush got elected. You know, this, yeah. is, this is a pet peeve of mine. Um, the problem is it requires a constitutional amendment. That's very hard to pass. Yeah. So what mm-hmm. I and some other people have been doing, and I argue this in the book, is to adopt what's called the Wyoming plan. Do you know that? The I'm idea sure. here is that every state, <laughs> every district, well, Wyoming is the smallest state, right? and they have one representative for the entire state with their 500,000 people they have, which is, you know, smaller than Washington, D.C. You know, Washington, D.C. has more people mm-hmm. than Wyoming. Mm-hmm. So what happens is the concept of the Wyoming plan is that that should be the basis for all districts. Every district should be around that same size, because right now you've got districts in California. California has much less representation than they should, Yeah. for instance, because they have the largest population and a vote. A voter in Wyoming has like five times as much power as a voter in California. Right. So the Wyoming plan would say that every, every district would have to be this size, which mm-hmm. means we would have to add more representatives. And mm-hmm. there's nothing in the Constitution that says we can't. Mm-hmm. Right now it's at 435 members, where it's been since like 1929. So we can <laughs> certainly add more members to the Constitution, that, uh, members to the House of Representatives since the country has gotten bigger. Mm-hmm. California would get a whole bunch of new more representatives. Texas would, Florida would. Uh, New York would, Pennsylvania would, and that would much better represent the people than the current electoral college. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing that can be done if the Democrats get a, get into power in January. That might be something they can pass without needing a constitutional amendment. Mm-hmm. That would help. That would be a good yeah. temporary fix. How, how did that work? I mean, uh, I remember like in the 70s, it seemed like New York had more electoral votes than it does yes. now by far like it was well, up in the 40s and now it's like 23 or something and whereas california was like about 40 and then now it's like 55 so it's like it, it, i thought new york was still more populous but also aren't they about even at, at worst and so that's like as a weird california skew. keeps growing people are moving okay. south and into okay. warmer climates away from the north you know and okay. that's, that's just the way it is Okay. But the problem is we have limited our House of Representatives to 435, yeah. which means okay. that every 10 years we divide the country up into 435 districts mm-hmm. and we try to make them as even as possible. And the problem we can't make it as even as possible is because some places are so small like Wyoming that screw everything up. Yeah. 
So we try to make them as even as possible, which means some states lose some and some states gain some. Under the Wyoming plan, we can just say they all have to be at least you know, 500,000 people in a district. Mm-hmm. And if they get more, they get more. And if they lose, they lose. So it, it's because we've limited ourselves on how many representatives we have, which we shouldn't do. So that wouldn't take any sort of constitutional amendment. Correct. That's just a bill. They can just pass the bill and say, from now on, the House of Representatives is 550 people, you know, and we divide the country up that way. Yeah. What what about um, uh, the recent, well, it's not, it's recent now, but it's, I've heard it many times, of making Washington, D.C. a state, or at least represented with representation. Yeah, uh, that that's going to require an amendment, too, because Washington, D.C. is mentioned in the Constitution, unfortunately, and, and, uh, that's going to be harder to pass. And, and the Republicans have been very blatant and honest about it because they say, but if you do that, we'll get two black senators. You know, so, I mean, they're, they're letting their racism show very clearly on that one. Um, and Trump has actually said that. So don't expect it to happen as long as, as long as the Republicans are in power. And the other problem is that they still have to get three-fourths of the state to agree for any constitutional amendment. And a lot of these states are not going to allow Washington, D.C. to have that happen. Yeah. The only way it's going to come about is some sort of compromise they can come up with, and I'm not sure what that would be. Yeah. What about all the other territories that we have, you know, Guam and Puerto mm-hmm. Rico and everything like that? That would be the same situation? I no, mean, no, they don't, they don't need amendments. No, you, you can, we oh, can okay. add Puerto Rico tomorrow. We can add Guam tomorrow if, 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 enough, if Congress passes the bill okay. and says, you know, they're going to be a state. Puerto Rico should be a state. They're larger than, like, you know, 20 mm-hmm. other states, you know, so they should be. Okay, so refresh my memory then on on District of Columbia. Where does it say it in the Constitution about that then? That Um, it has to be an amendment and go that way. Yeah, well, there was actually an amendment passed to give them the right to vote for president. You know, because before they couldn't even vote for president. Um, The (laughs) idea of uh, of the Constitution was a – Washington, D.C. was a compromise. Um, If you saw Hamilton, you saw that, that, you know, in the room where it happens, where they made that decision to put Washington, D.C. there. And the idea was it was going to be neutral separate from every state because back then states had a lot more power yep. and so yep. by by making it a separate district that was not answerable to any state they thought it would give it neutrality and it wouldn't have it they didn't know people were going to live in it they didn't know it was going to be that powerful and that that, that populous <laughs> you know it's a big city yep. um to me the simplest solution is you make it part of maryland you yep. know and, and then then it's then it just it's not another state but Maryland gets a whole bunch more members, of the, you know, and maybe they'll get another representative or two. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah, I never really thought about it. And even when I visited there, I go, wow, all these people actually live here, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, you notice their license plates. Did you see what their license plates say? Uh, the no. license plates actually say on them, taxation without representation. Wow. Okay. I don't know if they did back in 1984. That's when I went to Washington. Well, they might not have. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That's funny. I'll have to look that up. Uh, Um, I should also mention for the book, just in case, for anyone who's watching this, you might see the background. That's the cover. Um, It's by uh, Darren Bell, who is a famous political cartoonist. He also does a lot of cartoons in the book. Um, And uh, he, right before the book was being ready to be published, he won the Pulitzer Prize for editorial cartooning. So we made sure we put that on the cover in big letters. It was like, (laughs) great timing. Thank you. Um, So, so the book is meant to be fun and funny and make, make learning about the constitution interesting. There are lots of jokes in it. Um, I make lots of snide comments uh, and his cartoons help as well. So I just wanted to point that out. (laughs) Um, now, does your book go through all the amendments, all 27 of them and everything, or is well, it just basically what the, I do is the biggies I, <laughs> that everybody talks about? 
I have a chapter where I, I talk about each amendment just so you know what they are, so you have a reference. And of course, in the back is the actual constitution and the, and the appendix. But the amendments that I really talk about, I, I have sections on freedom of speech. I have sections on freedom of religion. Um, I'm looking at the book now, uh, freedom of association. Uh, there's a chapter called the Second Amendment Sucks and Doesn't Belong Here, and I argue why we should get rid of the Second Amendment completely. <laughs> um, a chapter about, you know, searching and seizuring, which is, you know, the Fifth Amendment, Fourth and Fifth Amendment. A chapter about the Fifth Amendment remaining silent. <laughs> other constitutional rights, equal protection and discrimination, things like that. So I take the important amendments. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, you know, the, the uh, prohibition amendment. <laughs> you know, right. some of them you just sort of mention and that's all you have to talk about. You right, especially since it was, it was reversed. But well, The whole um, idea of the book is, is what are the issues people normally talk about with the Constitution? So I don't go into a lot of detail about Article 6. You know, I, I talk about the things that are issues that people talk about and, and argue. So yeah. that's why that, that keeps the book more interesting, too. <laughs> Right. I assume you talk a lot about the 25th one because they always say, well, let's invoke the 25th and get rid of Trump. But it's like, it seems to me it's very vague. Is that correct? Well, the 25th was written after Kennedy was, was shot because the yeah. worry was, what if he was in a coma? What do we do if a president is incapacitated? Mm -hmm. And the 25th says that the, the, the cabinet and the vice president go to Congress and say, listen, we think the president is incompetent and therefore we want to make the vice president the president. So it has to come from the cabinet, which is never going to happen under Trump, right? He's filled right. his cabinet with all his toadies. So, yeah. so it's really, the 25th really only applies if someone is really literally completely incompetent, you know, and, you know, brain dead, yeah. you know, so it really doesn't, it really won't apply to Trump because they're not, they're not going to do it. You know that. And he's already brain dead. Whoops. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. He's got to get his cabinet to agree to that. And that's not going to happen. Yeah. So, and how does that work? I mean, I, I, I kind of know the presidential succession, but I mean, uh, well, let, let me ask this, because certain things kind of confuse me as a kid. I've never bothered to look it up. Um, mm -hmm. So in 1973, uh, Spiro Agnew was guilty of tax evasion right. or tax, whatever he did. Uh, and so he resigned. And instead of having like a special election at the time, Nixon just said, you, Gerald Ford, come here. You're my vice president now. Well, how was he able to how, say that again? You had to be approved by the Senate. The Senate okay. approved Ford. Um, and then, of course, Nixon resigned and then Ford became president. And then he nominated Nelson Rockefeller and they went through the Senate process again. OK, so, so that, that to go is through the Senate on that. OK, so yeah. which which amendment covers that or which article covers that? Um, boy, you got me on the spot. I don't, I don't <laughs> have that memorized. <laughs> um, well, but it is in there for for like uh, there was some issues involved with that in terms of who do they pick. And um, I think it's in article three, okay. but I can't I'll remember which section. That. Article three is about the presidency. So it's not in, it's not in an amendment. It's in the actual articles. Itself. Okay. Because it always seemed weird to me, not as a kid, but now when looking back on it, it's like, wow, Ford never got elected to anything. He just got up yeah. there. And it's like, it's kind of a creepy way. If there was a guy like Trump, Hey, let's pick him. Yeah. We like him. You know, yeah. if, you know, and he just kind of rose to the ranks kind of, well, Ford was uh, the minority leader at the time. So, you know, he, he was like the, the Republican version of the Speaker of the House. So he was like the most prominent Republican in the House at the time. Yeah. Um, so he wasn't like nobody. But yeah. still, it's, you know, yeah, it, that was a very unusual circumstance where we had a president who had never technically been elected. And then he ran for re-election and lost. So right. he, was only he was the only president who was never elected. Mm -hmm. And another one is... Um, 
you know, you know, this is around that same time, actually, before that, you know, it's like they they had comedy albums and stuff where they were talking about, oh, uh, Nixon, you're going to dump me in 72. You know, can a president really dump their vice president at any time? Is that possible? No, but they okay. can choose not to have them with their next running. So okay. Trump could theoretically turn around and say, I've decided not to have Pence as my vice president next time. Okay, so that still okay. is applicable. because that I know. Happened. I know yeah. in the old days, like FDR, he had like three vice presidents Correct. over the course of his four terms. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so you can always pick, you know, a different vice president, you know, and Lincoln, of course, had a, had a vice president from the opposite party because he wanted to bring the country together, which was a terrible mistake. Oops. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because once he died, you know, the president was, oh, all that stuff Lincoln wanted to do, forget it. Yes. <laughs> that and didn't of course, and of course, he was the first president impeached. So it's like, yes. um, <laughs> um, <laughs> now. As far as impeachment goes, uh, so, you know, of course, Trump has been impeached. And for those who don't know, Nixon wasn't because he resigned before that could happen. But Clint, Bill Clinton was and Andrew Johnson was. But in each case, they never actually kicked the person out. I mean, right. well, is, I, is I it always ask... because, like in this last case, I don't even remember on the Clinton one because I wasn't paying such close attention, but... Is it always the case where, like, the Senate is just like hard nosed? We can't kick this guy out, or uh, what's the what's the situation? I, I think in both Clinton and and uh, Johnson's impeachment, it was clearly political. They mm -hmm. really hadn't done any. You're supposed to be impeached for high crimes and misdemeanors, right? And in both of those cases, there really was no high crime or misdemeanor. People will say, "Oh, but Clinton committed perjury." Well, no, he didn't. He lied under oath about an affair that was not a crime. Mm -hmm. Perjury means you have to lie about a crime. Yeah. About a, you know, and it, it, if I ask you what your favorite color is and you say it's yellow and it's really blue and you've lied under oath, that's not perjury because it doesn't matter what your favorite <laughs> okay. color is. Right. So, so I think even with Clinton, there were enough people in the, con in the Senate who said, no, this is clearly political. We're not going to impeach this guy. In Trump's case, there definitely were impeachable offenses. I mean, you know, we, mm -hmm. we got the whole Mueller report that everyone pretended like you know, there's nothing there, but there was a ton of things in the Mueller report. <laughs> yeah. And the Republicans <laughs> just blew it away, you know, yeah. and, and they ignored it. Mm -hmm. He should have been impeached. Clearly, right. he should have been impeached. We might not be in this mess right now if he had been impeached. Right. Um, so that's a little bit different. That one, to me, the, the, of all the impeachments, Nixon's, he would have been impeached and he should have been if he had yeah. stayed in office. And Trump oh. should have been, but the other two were political, I think. Because hmm. Nixon, looking back on it, I wonder if um, he could have beaten the odds and just been stubborn, just like Trump is, and just said, "Well, impeach me, see what I care." And he well, could have it could have dragged out till '77 when he would have ended anyway. You know. Well, basically, know. what happened was one of the reasons he resigned is because the Republicans in the Senate went to him and said, "Look, we have to vote to impeach you. You better resign because you're going to get impeached." Mm -hmm. They basically lay down the law to him and said, you know, we've listened to the tapes. It's clear you're guilty. We're going to have to vote to impeach you. You know, back then we had Republicans who actually cared about that kind of stuff and, and right. had ethics. <laughs> so that made a little difference, I think. Now, if we really actually had, you know, everything working properly and let's just get off Trump. So people who are who love Trump won't be upset. Some people future, love Trump will not some, like my books. So it some, <laughs> some future president mm -hmm. turns out to be even worse. And uh, 
let's say for the benefit of the crowd that hates everything, uh, you know, let's say it's a Democrat. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, they really do impeach the person. I mean, the person is a real creep. I mean, huh? uh, how does that work at that point? Because it really doesn't describe in the Constitution what would happen at that point. I mean, arguably, the person would just go, oh, yeah, you're right. I, I screwed up. I'm gone. You know, but I mean, uh, well, understand I mean, is there any rules about that? I mean, it's like, you know, yeah. it's almost like even if the Senate did uh, say, get out, we could say, yeah, well, make me. <laughs> it's like kind of well, like I, that, have a, I have a feeling that, you know, the army, he might be the commander in chief. But if they say you're no longer the commander in chief, who are they going to listen to? Right. You know, the, you know and, if, and if the new president says, get out of the White House and the guy doesn't, then he calls the army and says, get this guy out of the White House and they're going to listen to the new president. Okay. One thing that the army does is they take an oath to obey the constitution, not the president, okay. you know? And, and I think that's important to, to emphasize that, you know, in fact, everyone in political office, Trump doesn't realize this, but everybody in political <laughs> office takes an oath to the constitution, yeah. you know? And, and he, he's constantly saying, you know, you're not loyal to me. Well, we're not supposed to be loyal to you. We're supposed to be loyal to the laws of the country and, and the country, you know? And, and, yeah. uh, that's what real patriotism is. And, and I expect that if that ever happened and a president refused to leave, mm -hmm. that, you know, the army would do the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, the police would do the right thing at that point. Mm -hmm. Most police. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, you know, as far as legality of everything, I know every president since Washington has done executive orders, it seems like. Uh, yeah. But it seems like in the last 20, 30 years, they've multiplied. And, you know, of course, Trump just, you know, writes Actually, them out daily, you know, like a little notepad. It's like, here's this one, here's this one. I mean, do those really stand up in a real court of law, all those, uh, you know, things he's yes doing? I mean, no. he's, he's acting yes. like, you know, I'm going to end coronavirus with a stroke of the pen. I'm going to put my face on the Mount Rushmore with a stroke of a pen. I'm going to put a wall around the whole country with a stroke of a pen, you know, no, and it's like he's no. pretending to be like this, you know, big leader it's that does all this stuff but it's like isn't it just all bullshit <laughs> yes uh, because originally the idea behind the um executive orders are usually things having to do with what the executive can control yeah for example as the president he is responsible for the entire bureaucracy of the government you know all the different irs's and all the different agencies and the cia they're under his control he's their boss Mm -hmm. So usually what an executive order would say was, you know, I'm hereby telling all the Justice Department not to prosecute these kind of cases or whatever he might want to say, you know. And mm -hmm. through history, that's what the executive orders were like. Uh, mm -hmm. Lincoln's order to Emancipation Proclamation is basically an executive order. You know, mm -hmm. I'm hereby ordering this. Um, that any any territory in our area can, you know, is, is, can't have slaves. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's been around for a long time. Has it gotten worse? Only under Trump. Under Obama, it actually went down. Now, you wouldn't mm -hmm. know that from the Republicans because they came out and they said, <laughs> right. oh, my God, Obama's doing everything with executive orders. And now they're completely silent whenever Trump does it. Yeah. Trump recently announced an executive order having to do with budgeting, and he's, I'm going to cut the payroll tax. He can't do that. Congress controls the budget. The president can't just cut the taxes. He mm -hmm. has no power to do that. These executive orders he's signing are 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 publicity things only 90% of them don't have any effect whatsoever. And some of them are just absolutely wrong. He said just last week, he signed, I'm signing an executive order that prohibits insurance companies from uh, 
getting rid of, uh, from kicking you off from pre-existing conditions. Well, that's already in the law as part of Obamacare. You know, you, you've signed nothing. <laughs> you yes. haven't changed a thing. He's yeah. doing it as he, well, partially because he's stupid, but also because he's just trying to get publicity and saying right. anything he can because he thinks it might help him get reelected. Right. Okay. Yeah, so what no. what happens with all those things? Because, I mean, he's used all these little nice little folders and he has like some sort of pre-typed document, which seems like a monumental waste of time to whomever's you know, mm. creating these things so he can do his little jig jaggedy uh, signature on. I mean, it's like... Uh, well, some of them have an effect, you know, and, and partially what, what he's mostly having an effect on is not necessarily the executive orders, but who he appoints. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the guy who appointed to be in charge of the, of the post office who is invested in all the post offices, uh, you know, uh, the companies that are going against the post office, that are competing against the post office. So he's doing everything to destroy the post office. Yeah. You know, that, that has more effect than any executive order, you know, and he does have the right to appoint these people. That's the problem. Mm. You know? Mm. Yeah. Now, technically, most of these people are supposed to be approved by the Senate, but when you have a Senate that's going to do anything he wants and they're going to roll over, you know, that's yeah. what happens. You know, and, and that's why it's important that, you know, we should have a strong party to stand up to a president and not, not people who just, you know, do whatever, whatever he wants. Right. Make him a king. Right. Yeah. Um, one other I thing. I have that's... a whole chapter about parties, too, because one of the problems, <laughs> I, I, here's another argument I get all the okay. time, mm-hmm. if you don't mind me just interrupting. Okay, that's fine. Mentioning parties, um, <laughs> which is that I hate this argument I get every now and then that, well, the Democratic Party was the party of slavery and the Democratic Party stood against um, integrating the schools. And they don't understand history, which is how the parties have split over the years. The Republican Party was originally the Liberal Party with Lincoln and then Teddy Roosevelt fighting for, you know, equality and justice and, you know, and and, and those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And then over the years, it kind of split. And there was a period where there were liberal Republicans and conservative democrats admittedly but both parties had liberals and conservatives in them mm-hmm. and it's only been in the recent history that it's really split so that it's all liberals on one party and all conservatives on the other party because it wasn't like that for most of our recent history if you go back right. to the 60s you can see there are lots of democrats fighting against the civil rights law yeah. what you can say for truth is that the liberals were the ones favoring the civil law and the conservatives were against it. So when you talk about that kind of issue, don't talk about parties, talk about liberals and conservatives because liberals mm-hmm. and the Republican party supported it. Democrats, conservative Democrats did not. I hate that argument because it just shows that people don't know their history. Yeah. You know, it's just stupid. And well, I mean, essentially the parties kind of flip-flopped if you wanted to do it on basic yes. terms, which is kind of surprising how they did it. But I mean, I guess it's just when LBJ Johnson uh, uh, signed the Civil Rights Act, it's like all the racists said, well, we can't follow the Democrats anymore. Well, who's left? And then Nixon said, come to me. (laughs) Yes, that's when it started. And and it wasn't really until like the 80s that it really started getting completely divided because there were still liberal Republicans in the North. I lived in Boston for a while and I voted for a few, you know, Uh, because that was okay. You know, the party... And the, the sad part is when you have liberals and conservatives in both parties, it's easier to get things done because you have to compromise to get things done. Right, right now we have all the liberals in one party and all the conservatives in one party, and they're all you know shaking their head and refusing to work with each other, and right. Right, nothing gets done. So that's not necessarily <laughs> Now, here, here's another one uh, that I'm actually asking all the time because it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so... And you, and you can refresh my memory as far as which amendments there are. So in, uh, slaves were freed, and we had the Max, uh, Emancipation Proclamation, which I don't know. It's like 15th Amendment. Is that the right one? 
Thirteenth is the one where 13th. the slaves were freed. Okay. Uh, the emancipation okay. law came before that, of course. Oh, okay. And uh, then there's all these voting rights acts, and then you go like fifty years forward, and suddenly you get all these Jim Crow laws and this and that and the other. And then you go 50 years further, and they're signing the Civil Rights Act, and then uh, another voting act, and then now we're 50 years from that, and it's like, it's almost like, is it a situation where we just need to enforce what's already on the books, or are there problems with all these civil rights and emancipation proclamations and freeing the slaves? Because it seems like, you know, to make it very generic, the black man is never going to get free enough to vote you know basically you know? um it, it, it's judges it really is because what happened was you know after after the civil war uh, there were a bunch of conservative judges who put into place things like you know separate but equal which is the policy that said you can have separate schools as long as they're equal and of course they never were yeah. you know and made segregation legal and you know no matter how much you could fight against it and pass laws if the judges came down and said nope that law is unconstitutional you were stuck so the Civil Rights Act in the 60s, we had a very liberal Supreme Court in the 60s, and they passed a lot of good bills and a lot of good, you know, cases. Mm-hmm. And one of them, you know, the Civil Rights Acts were passed and, and held up. Then, I don't know, how many, about 10 years ago or so, we got a different Supreme Court, a very conservative Supreme Court. Congress passes unanimously the renewal of the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act. I'm sorry, the Voting Rights Act. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the Supreme Court says, nope, you can't do that. What was the reason? There really wasn't one. It was just political. It was all mm-hmm. racist. It was just terrible. And so the Supreme Court knocked down the Voting Rights Act. And that's one of the reasons we're in this situation we are now, where there's so much voting fraud going on that we can see. Without the mm-hmm. Voting Rights Act, we have no way of enforcing that. So mm-hmm. you might have heard uh, uh, Vice Pres- President um, um, Biden spoke today, and he said that's one of the things that's going to be on the agenda if they get elected in, in January is getting the Voting Rights Act. Yeah. I mean, are we just so, getting you know, to the point stuck on... With bad, if you got bad judges, you, there's not much you can do, which is another reason why you need... Of course, I'm talking political now, but, you know, keep that in mind when you vote in November, people, because, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is going to be leaving soon, and we need to have a yeah. good replacement for her. I mean, is this what we have to look forward to, this a continual ping-pong? Because, I mean, we basically had for 30 years, you know, eight years of Republican, eight years of Democrat, eight years of Republican, eight years, you know, with a couple of four years in there. Well, but, you know, in general, it just goes back and forth. And, well, here's the problem. Here, here's the yeah. problem. Jerry, Man- well, there's a lot of different problems. Um, if you look at presidential elections since Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. the Democrats have won each one by the popular vote except one, which was George Bush being reelected, and that was very, very, very slim margin. Mm-hmm. So the American people want the Democrats in power. Mm-hmm. The Republicans are winning because of the Electoral College, because of gerrymandering, because of all the tricks they pull to try to keep people from voting, you know, fighting against mode in, uh, mail-in ballots, mm-hmm. closing precincts. I mean, it's all over the news, you know, they, they, they change, they make it harder to vote, they make it so that you can't, you have to have certain IDs in order to vote. They're doing everything they can to make it hard to vote because they know if everyone votes, they lose. Yeah. So until we can correct that, we're going to have a government that doesn't represent the people. And, and this is an important issue that I say in, in the end of the book, I talk about this. People sometimes, the, the government has moved so far to the right mm-hmm. that moderates look like crazy leftists. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I support Medicare for all. I support legalized marijuana. I support women's right to choose. I support 
equal rights. I support gay rights. I, you know, all these things, free public education for you know, colleges if you're poor, you know, uh, taxing richer people. All these things, if you look at the polls, are supported by the majority of the Americans. These mm -hmm. aren't radical ideas. <laughs> but the right and, and Fox News has managed to convince a lot of Americans that anyone who stands for those things are crazy leftist, crazy people when actually the mess of the world has done this for years and have no problem with it. Yeah. And that's but, part of the problem. We got we got to grab the we got to grab the flag and say we are the majority and, and we represent the people. But until we can fix the electoral system, you know, mm -hmm. also, you know, the other the other issue I should mention is is uh, financing for for elections you know the fact that anyone can spend a ton of money of their own and you don't have to know where it comes from to elect somebody is is terrible right. <laughs> and that's another thing that the supreme court did with their citizens united case they allowed that to happen so you know until we can get rid of all these terrible people who are trying to keep the majority of us getting what we want it's going to happen you know mm. gonna be, the history of the world is a history of people with power making sure that the rest of us don't get it you know we constantly have to fight mm. it every Every advance we've made in civil rights has been fought. No one gave it to us. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, going on that score, and uh, as far as getting things to change, I mean, uh, you said Biden already said, I'm going to put the Voting Rights Act arguably again on the agenda, you know. Mm -hmm. um, what about things that they're not really constitutional, but somehow they're the law of the land, like uh, – uh, correct me with the correct terminology, but it's something about the fairness doctrine that was repealed in doctrine. 1987. Well, yeah. People don't quite understand the fairness doctrine. The fairness doctrine was passed. I got to back up a bit. And I talk about this okay. in the book as well. Okay. Um, <laughs> the government cannot censor the media, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. But when it comes to over the air, radio and TV, there's a limited amount of frequencies. So way back when, when television was getting big, they said, well, we have the right to regulate the air because we want to make sure, you know, there's only so many frequencies and we license you. So if we're going to license you to have this frequency, we get to say what you can do. And one of the things they had was the fairness doctrine, which said that you got to give equal time to both sides, you know, blah, 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 blah. This never applied to cable because mm. cable is not limited. So that's why HBO can show X-rated movies, you know, or R-rated movies anyway. Yeah. And that's why Fox News can say whatever the hell they want because mm. – the First Amendment allows them to do that. It's not regulated. So yeah. honestly, if we brought the Fairness Doctrine back, it would only apply to the networks. Mm. But MSNBC and Fox would still be able to do whatever the hell they want. Mm. So really, the Fairness Doctrine doesn't is not that big of a mm. deal as people think it is. Okay. If you brought it back, it would only affect a few networks, and that's really not a big deal anymore. So I'm not, and I don't want a Fairness Doctrine on cable. I yeah. don't want censorship. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want the government telling me what is right and what is wrong, which is another reason why I'm also against um, people who say, well, we should make Nazi symbols illegal. No, we should make nothing like that illegal. I don't yeah. want the government deciding what we can say and what we can't say, and especially not this government. Yeah. Well, what about groups like uh, the KKK? You know, it's like, I mean, some people argue that, oh, that's a terrorist group, so we can get rid of them. But I mean, it is arguably free speech. I mean, so... Mm -hmm. Um, the whole idea what, what is correct, Amendment, or is it, again, just what a judge says? <laughs> the whole idea of the First Amendment is we have to protect speech we hate. Nobody needs to protect speech we all agree with. Yeah. You know, if we don't, you have to protect speech you don't like. And if you start saying, I'm going to allow your speech and not your speech, 
then my speech is going to be next. They're going to come after me next. Right. So we've got to make sure that everyone's speech is protected. That's different from action. Mm-hmm. If they do something violent, after losing, go after them. You know, okay. strike them down, knock them down. But what they say, you really can't censor, nor you should, nor you okay. should. Because sometimes it seems like, at least you know, movies kind of represent this. Because I don't really know. It's like you know, they get away with everything. You know, it's like they can take over a town. You know, which has happened in real real life, not necessarily mm-hmm. the KKK, but those type of you know extreme groups like that. You yeah, know, and, 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 you, you know, it's like and they run around. You know, and they say anti-Semitic things. You know, yeah, they're they're bad guys. They they're evil guys, obviously. Um, but they have the right to do it as long as they yeah. don't commit any violent acts. Now that's one of the problems with what bugs me about the current administration is these Nazis can go on March and no one says anything. And then people peacefully protest police brutality and the cops come out and beat them up, which just, you know, mm, okay. is ironic in a so sense. That's you know? the difference. Yeah. That's the difference. Okay. You so. know, it, it's, it's, they're peacefully protesting. People have the right to peacefully protest, even if I hate them, you know, so if the Nazis want to protest, let them. Yeah. You know, they look like idiots. As long as they're not committing any crimes, let them do it. And the problem is we're only attacking the liberals who are protesting and not the conservatives who are protesting, apparently, yeah. at least under this administration. Very interesting, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. I think I had a couple more questions. I'm trying to think. The other thing I talk about in the book, and, and even though it's called How to Argue the Constitution with Conservatives, I do bring some liberals under task. Um, mm-hmm. for not understanding the First Amendment. And I was just talking about that, wanting to censor things. And you find this a lot on college okay. campuses, especially. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, want, they want to have safe spaces. You know, they, they don't want to let people talk. They want to want to uh, censor students who say bad things. And to me, that's that's completely wrong. You know, yeah. you, you, need, you need to hear all ideas. You need to not censor somebody. Um, that's different from editing. Let me put yeah. it this way. <laughs> on my Facebook page, yeah. if I... If that's I, what I was going to bring up, actually. <laughs> If yes. I unfriend you, I'm not censoring you. Censorship is what the government does. Yeah. Um, I am editing you. <laughs> it's yeah. my page. I can do whatever the hell I want. You know, if I'm right. editing right. it, I edit short story collections. If I decide not to use your short story, I'm not censoring you. <laughs> right. I'm editing you. I'm, I'm making that decision. Right, right. But yeah, most people don't know the distinction. But the question I had, you reminded me by saying Facebook. So recently, all the social social media leaders like Zuckerberg and Bezos and who else uh, all got together and testified in some sort of meeting. I didn't really watch it because I didn't want to be bored to tears. Uh, so <laughs> right. Basically, does the government, since you're talking about you know the fairness law only applies to network TV, doesn't apply to cable. What applies, if anything, to these social media things, including TikTok and all the junk that's in the news and everything? Nothing or? Not really, you know. I mean, you know, uh, they can't, obviously they can't distribute child pornography, you know, or, or, I mean, there are exceptions to the First Amendment, obviously. You know, child pornography is not protected. Giving out troop movements, you know, in secret, you know, secrets is not protected. You know, uh, there, there are a bunch of things. I'm getting off track here, but one of the issues that people seem to have is they'll read the First Amendment and say, oh, there are, there's no exceptions, freedom of speech. No, there's a whole bunch of exceptions, and I talk about them. Um, so, so, but they have the right. It's their, it's their program. If you don't like what Facebook does, you don't have to use it. You yeah. know, go somewhere else. Sign yeah. off. You know, and if they say, here's our rules, if you want to be in our Facebook, here's our rules, they have the right to do that, and there's not a lot you can do about it. It's not censorship. 
Um, right. So arguably Zuckerberg, using him as an example, because mm-hmm. Facebook's the one I primarily use, uh, they don't really need to censor or edit for your, uh, or remove anybody's posts if they don't want to. Right. They're just doing it because they feel obligated to, you know, to keep, to save face as it were, correct? To, well, partially, to give... it's, partially it's publicity, but also people like me, if they didn't reduce that kind of stuff, I'd say, I'm not going to come here anymore. I'm going somewhere else. It's a good Yeah, business. that's what I meant. Save face, meaning, you know, it's good to, good, good public relations, you know, to, yeah. to keep kind of a, a sort of face that you're having some sort of semblance of normalcy or whatever, you know. I know you're a big Disney fan. Um, Recently, I got into an argument with somebody who was upset because Disney is taking the ride, Disneyland is taking the ride that's based on Song of the South. Right. And they're going to make it based on um, Princess and the Frog instead. Right. Um, Which fits, you know, it's it's a swamp, you know, they can basically, the ride stays the same, they just change some of the, you know, images and and themes of it. And someone was saying, this is censorship. They're trying to censor, you know, Song of the South, how terrible they are. And I'm going, no, it's not censorship. It's a business decision. You yeah. know, kids, kids don't know Song of the South, but they know Princess and the Frog. It's a good business decision. And, and, and yeah. the idea that it's censorship just bugs the hell out of me. Businesses can do whatever they want, you know? Yeah. Come on. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, the fact that they don't release the film, is that considered censorship or is that just, you know? No, that's their decision. You know, yeah, they don't have okay. to. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, censorship yeah. is what the government does. Censorship yeah. is, you know, anyone else is decision-making editing is what I try to say. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's not. The government, now, mind you, on college campuses, if it's a public school, there's a big issue. If it's a private school, they can censor all they want. Hmm. But in a public school, you have a little more, it's a little different. Um, yeah. But, you know, they can decide who to invite in to give speeches or not. You know, it's, it's it's up to them, but sometimes students object, you know, and they can protest. I think students should have the right to protest if the school invites somebody they don't like. My 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 law school invited um, uh, Scalia to come speak, who justice of the Supreme Court, who I hated, and uh, boy, do I rip him apart in this book. Um, and they invited him to come speak at my law school, and then they sent me, you know, would you like to contribute to your alma mater? No! <laughs> That's my protest. I'm not giving you a cent as long as you keep people like this coming to speak at my school. That I can do, but they have the right to invite him if they want to, you know, and right. I have the right to say I'm not going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I have a question about an amendment that never passed, and mm-hmm. uh, recently there was just enough states to say, yeah, this is okay, but there's issues behind that and stuff like that, because there is a deadline. It's the ERA, Equal right. Rights Amendment. No, so what's, what's, what's the deal on that? Why, why was there a deadline? Uh, why are these other states backing out? And then, you know, and it's like, is it, can it be passed or no? What's the deal? Well, the problem is they have the right when they pass it, when Congress passes it, to put a deadline on it. Okay. And, and they did. And then some of the states didn't pass it in time, so it failed. And now some of the states are still trying to pass it, even though technically the original amendment had a deadline. So right. as far as I'm concerned, it probably is dead. Um, okay. They'd have to they would have to reintroduce it and have the states repass it again, um, in my opinion. Um, Now, at the same time, some states are arguing we don't need it now. And in a sense, they're right. Because what happened was when the ERA was first written, Mm -hmm. it was back in the days when there really was a lot of discrimination. Women couldn't hold certain property. You know, they didn't have any rights when it came to divorces, all kind of stupid things, which have now changed. The Supreme Court has come down and said, you know, the 14th Amendment protects women. You can't discriminate against women. The right. only discrimination we really have at the current time has to do with um, 
if we ever bring a draft back, only men are drafted. But that yeah. might change too if a draft ever comes back. So that's kind of an irrelevant issue. Yeah. So in some ways, we don't need the ERA. The advantage of the ERA is symbolic, if nothing else, and it also prevents the Supreme another Supreme Court from coming out and saying, "No, women aren't mentioned," you know, and changing yeah, yeah. it. Back. Okay. So in a sense, it'd be nice to have it. I would I would like it to be passed. Um, right. But I don't necessarily think we need it right now. Okay. Now, let me tell you an interesting story about deadlines, because what happened was back in the early days, James Madison proposed 12 amendments. Ten of them passed. So those were our Bill of Rights. Mm -hmm. One of the amendments that didn't pass was to pre prevent uh, Congress from passing its own uh, pay raise. Yeah. So what happens is Congress um, could not pass its own raise. It would have to apply to the next Congress that comes in. Mm -hmm. That never passed. Yeah. Back in the 80s, some student noticed that, wrote an essay about it, and his teacher gave him a C. And he was pissed. <laughs> so he went around to all the states that hadn't passed it and got them to pass it because the original thing did not have a deadline. Yeah. So that is now our 27th Amendment. Right. That was first passed <laughs> in 1789. Right. <laughs> so it took that, 200 years or so to pass that amendment. <laughs> and that's where my question came from. It's like, why did that not have a deadline? And the ERA did, but you explained, you know, they can put a deadline on it. So, yeah, okay. they, they have a right yeah. to in, in the bill. So, yeah. they didn't. So, Madison forgot to, whatever, you know. Yes, basically. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, that, that's, I think that's a clever story. You know, it's, it's we've only right. had 27 amendments, and, you know, one of them. Right. And I, and I remember when that passed because I was in college at the time, and uh, it just kind of came out in the news, and I said, wow, that's weird. You know, what Where other ones are? From? Now, are yeah. there other ones that, uh, that are that way that haven't passed yet, but they still could, or is everything pretty much? There's nothing too close. I, I have a whole proposal. I have like seven that I think should be passed in my book that I that I propose, including. Yeah, but I mean more like out. the 27th one that actually was proposed, and just over time they just haven't gotten enough interest or. No, in not that I can so, think of. Okay. No, there, there's okay. nothing out there right now that's that's pending as far as I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Now, if there's a movement to do any sort of new amendment, I mean, how how would it start? Because I mean, I don't the the last true amendment, I guess, would be the 26th of lowering the voting age to 18. Mm -hmm. I'm too young to know what that was. Why you know I know why it was done because you could fight but you couldn't vote. You know, right. and uh, but how does that start? Does it start on a grassroots level or does it start with the president or who, who tends to start these type of things? I think grassroots really have a lot to do with it. People start, you know, bring it up in states and some of the states pass, you know, proposals. We hereby ask Congress to pass this amendment, you mm -hmm. know, and then Congress has to pass it first and then it goes all to all the states and it needs three quarters of the states. So that's a lot. It's not that easy yeah. to get. It's not like a 50% thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Congress would have to pass it. But yeah, I, I you know, I would like to see the Electoral College gotten rid of, you know, maybe maybe when this new Congress comes in, if we get a Democratic Senate, you know, that might be on the agenda. But once more, I don't think it's going to pass three-fourths of the states. You know, yeah. that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, what was my other question? Shoot, another <laughs> question about uh, uh, amendment. Oh, yeah, the obvious one. Um, so, you know, I, I always contend that a lot of <laughs> uh, right-wing people uh, we'll just label them. I'll label them evangelical Christians, you know, right wing Republicans, you know, their whole deal is really just the Second Amendment and Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. Now, my question is really more about Roe versus Wade as to why that wasn't a constitutional amendment. Could it be a constitutional amendment or does it matter? 
And it, if it matters, you know, can that be overturned like as easily as everybody thinks? I know that's a lot of questions, but you know. <laughs> yes, a, a different Supreme Court could turn right around tomorrow and, and overturn Roe versus Wade. They could oh. say, nope. Um, if they do overturn Roe versus Wade, then it pretty much goes back to the states though. So mm -hmm. some states could make abortion legal and some states could make it illegal, mm -hmm. which is what we had before Roe versus Wade, you know, and, and poor people who couldn't afford it went to back alleys and they couldn't afford it to travel to a state where it was legal. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, a, a different court could change it. Now, as far as the constitution, one of the problems with abortion mm -hmm. is that science changes and mm. you know, the viability of a child can change. And so therefore, in my opinion, the law should change as science changes. Mm. Um, the problem with most of the anti-abortion people is they believe that, you know, life begins at the moment the man says your place or mine, you know, they, 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 which is ridiculous, you know, and mm. there's no science to support that. Um, mm. It's all based on religion, which doesn't belong in our laws. Mm -hmm. I do have a whole chapter about religion too. Let me tell you, boy, um, <laughs> it's part of our, part of our problem is, Part of the problem we have in America is the evangelical Christians trying to force their religious laws on us, which is yep. why we had so much trouble getting gay rights passed and, and gay marriage passed and abortion we're still fighting and all that kind of crap. Mm -hmm. um, so there's not a good answer to that. I don't know if you could write a constitutional amendment saying we hereby claim that abortion will always remain legal because then you have to define when. Because even people who support legal abortion don't think you should be able to abort the day before the baby's born, right? You know, right, none of us right, think okay. that. Yeah. So that's the problem is where is the line drawn? And that's the okay. whole issue. Because, you know, it, when it passed, you know, I was five years old. So I didn't really, you know, and I didn't even know what an abortion was till years yeah. later. You know, it's like, but, you know, and I always find it amusing. It passed when there was a Republican in the White House, Nixon. You know, of course, he's mm -hmm. considered very uh, liberal compared to what we have now but compared to what we have now yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah you know. but i mean did he have anything to do with it or one way or the other or is it just the time no, it's just a case that went to the supreme court you know yeah. and and basically someone was challenging the illegality of this and and you know the whole argument for making it illegal is based on religion it's not based on science and so the yeah. supreme court said no you can't make this illegal and it's a woman's right to choose it's her body at least up to a certain point <laughs> yeah. you know yeah um, okay so, so that's, it was a good Supreme Court decision at the time, you know, obviously, uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't unanimous. And since then they've cracked away at it left and right. As you know, yeah. they, they, they've knocked a lot of it out. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a, a friend of mine who said, uh, who's a lot younger than me. And she says, wasn't this already decided? You know, <laughs> and it's so, like, but, but you said earlier, you know, these things can always be overturned no matter what, you know, it's like, because things change, science change, like you're saying, uh, Times well, change, was, you, know, you know. Back in the 70s, the Supreme Court found that the, um, the death penalty was unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. Everywhere. No death penalty whatsoever. Mm. Ten years later, a different Supreme Court came back and said, no, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it, who's on the Supreme Court makes a huge, big difference. Yeah. And this is another one of the reasons why I, I get so upset with people who say, well, the Constitution says this and that's it. The question is closed. It's not closed. It's yeah. interpreted by whoever the, you know, is on the courts. Right. You know, if right. everyone agreed... If everyone agreed what the law says, we wouldn't need lawyers. We wouldn't need judges. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not. Uh, yeah, and, and people who usually do that, they always say, "I'm a constitutionalist," you know, and it's like, well, yeah, good for you. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, because it, it, the, the problem is people who who demand that their vision is. I mean, even though I am a constitutional expert in the sense, I'm not an expert. I'm not like a Harvard law professor expert who knows everything right. backwards and forwards. Right. Right. But compared to the average person, I am. 
because, you know, I got a law degree and I taught constitutional law, you know, and this is what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, But even I say in the book, I don't know. This is my opinion. You know, if a different judge comes along and says something else, that's what the law says. I'm sorry. You know, I, I can't say that the law says this definitely because there's nothing definite. It's all politics. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then that's 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 the bottom line. People need to realize when people realize that law is politics, I think they can understand it better. Too many yeah. people come and think that the law is the law and therefore that's it. No, it's all politics. It, it, right. it all, it's written by politicians. It's decided by judges who are appointed by politicians or elected, and therefore they are politicians. It's all politics. And yeah. to think otherwise is naive. Yeah. I wanted to go back on one thing you were talking about. It Again, freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said there are certain things you can't say, you know, uh, at certain situations. Is there, like, any place, because it's certainly not in the Constitution, that delineates what that is? No, that's what decisions are about. The thing about the oh, Constitution okay. is it, it's, the Constitution is, a, is an outline. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like the foundation for a house. Here's what our goals are. And then all the laws underneath the Constitution try to meet that goal. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So no law can go against what the Constitution says. But there are lots of exceptions. The Constitution says freedom of speech. You know, you have the right to freedom of speech. But then, like I said, there's all kinds of exceptions. One of the exceptions is called the time, place, and manner exception. You have the right to speak, but you don't have the right to go into the middle of a courtroom and give a speech, you know, at any time you want. Right. You don't have the right to stand on your street at three in the morning with a loudspeaker and bother the neighbors. You know, there's limits on your speech. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater, you know, that right. old one. Right. Yeah. So there's limits on speech. There are all kinds of exceptions that are reasonable that existed even before the Constitution. You know, libel and slander are not protected, for instance, you know, those mm-hmm. kind of things. Yeah. Which is why I get so bugged when Second Amendment people go, the Second Amendment says this and that's it. There can be no exceptions. Yeah. And yet they'll agree with all the exceptions to the First Amendment. So, you know, it's like, oh, I'll give you <laughs> yeah. And it's true. You can't really libel or slander a dead person. That's correct, too. That's correct. Yes. OK. I just wanted to confirm that because yeah, so if you a lot of people say, oh, oh, what will so and so's estate say if you write this? And it's like, I don't care what they say. <laughs> they no, get mad. I, no, I, I <laughs> I, I, I have a novel with, a, with a Mark Twain and, and uh, Teddy Roosevelt and Harriet Tubman, you know, and I just use them all. Right? Whatever <laughs> you, didn't, I you didn't hear from any of them. I didn't hear from any of them. You know, it's, okay. it's, <laughs> now, now, trademarks, that's different. Yeah, but you that's know, not a person. It's, so, it's, yeah. Right. The estate can, can, you know, you can't sell T-shirts with the image of Marilyn Monroe on it without her estate, for instance. That, that's right. that's right. not the same thing. Yeah. But, yeah, you can't, you can't okay. slander a dead person, no. Yeah, and, I'm just and, trying to think and of famous people are except there's an exception for famous people, too. You know, mm-hmm. the more famous you are, the more you put yourself into the public domain, the more you understand that these kind of things come with the with the with the property, you know, with with, with your fame. Mm-hmm. So if you're you know, a famous rock star or a politician, yeah, people are going to slander you left and right. And that's just deal with it. You know, sorry. Yeah. So sorry, Trump. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why sometimes you'll see famous people suing for slander in England where they don't have a First Amendment. Ah, because okay. They can win in England when they can't win here. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm just trying to think of different situations I've been in over the past few years on Facebook before it became this big argument uh, clinic. You know, <laughs> you know, it used to well, be. I, I, do, I do my best to get rid of the crazies on my. You know. Yeah. And and I'll and I'll admit in the front in the first part of the book I say this book is for arguing with reasonable conservatives and there still are some out there. Yeah. But certain certain Trump supporters. No matter no matter of logic or facts are going to change their minds, so don't even try. You know, yeah. just give up. Yeah, but there are there are plenty of 
traditional conservatives who are reasonable. Mm -hmm. They're just not in power right now. Right. Okay. That means everybody vote. <laughs> anyway, yes. but, um, well, I guess that's all the questions I have about that. You want to talk monkeys or something else? <laughs> uh, whatever you want. It's your Actually, show. I, uh, uh, I, w I will mention, let me just give a quick, you know, um, push. Uh, book is available on Amazon, anywhere else, or you can go to my webpage, michaelaventrella.com. Um, it's, it's fairly thin. Um, it's fairly cheap. It's, it's meant to be a quick and easy read and a fun read. You should laugh at it. And there's been some, if nothing else, read some of the reviews on, on Amazon and you'll see that's what they say. So. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just wanted to point out, the, you know, and I put this on Facebook earlier. So I get this magazine all the time. It's called. Oh, yeah. Talk. They put your ad in there. Great. Yeah. And they put two ads, actually. So there's one of the. Oops, yeah. mm -hmm. Since I'm on TV, I can show this stuff. So it's like yeah, they yeah. had one on the inside cover and then they put one on the back cover and the back cover has our book. Right. Because your background is messing it up now, but that's uh, okay. Let's, let's <laughs> it's just like you have to hold it in front of your face, I think, is yeah. the way you make it work. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Anyway, you'll see it on, on Facebook, but, you know, yeah. so head, headquartered is on there. So um, <laughs> I know we've been on Plastic EP show and stuff like that. It's like, um, have you gotten any uh, feedback that you haven't seen on Amazon about our book? Uh, Not really. Just on the monkeys uh, pages, every once in a while, someone will make a comment about how they like the book. You know, uh, on some of the Facebook pages. Um, it's also nice when you can make a comment on on one of these Facebook pages for the monkeys fans, and they know who you are. It's kind of cool, oh, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, you've gotten that too, I'm sure. You know, so that's, yeah. that's kind of yeah. nice. But no, it's not like it's not like you know, Nesmith and Dolans have called me or anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, well. like, how did you know I broke my leg in t 1996? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. but, no, uh, the closest I've gotten was uh, Mike uh, uh, laughed at a joke I posted one time on Facebook. So oh, that that's right. You told me that was. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think if I've had any brushes like that. I mean, you know, other than, you know, meeting all of them separately over the years. But, you know, right, it's like, yeah. you know but yeah. I mean, that's what they do. You know, they go out and meet and greet. You know, um, I would yeah, think, you know. I Go wish ahead. they would agree to do interviews, but they didn't, you know, that would have helped the book a lot if they had agreed to do that. But what can yeah. you do? Yeah. And, you know, I wish Peter had written a book, but, you know, it's like, you know, uh, I mean, I will say, you know, it's like at least his career was well documented once he decided to really start a career, yes. you know, because I know you went on record just saying, you know, it's like, well, we did the best we could with Peter because, you know, not much there, but he, you know, he really kind of, dropped out I, you know i've watched a few yeah. different documentaries and i i got as much information as i could without actually talking to him at the time but you know <laughs> yeah, well, his, his is a his would be an interesting story more so than the others i think because of the ups and downs he's gone you know he he went from huge riches to poverty to teaching uh, you know at a school to going to jail you know and just trying to get his life together you know that's that's got a being such a famous person for such a short time and so quickly has to affect you in some way, you know, yeah. Mickey well, and Davey were used to it, you know, but Mike yeah, well, it, Peter is the only one who went through all his money. Well, Michael did too, but Michael got a good influx once mom died. So it's yes, like, exactly. you know, uh, but yeah, yeah, Peter really spent all his monkeys money and that was it, you know, and it's yeah. like, you know, he had to, you know, bounce back eventually, but you know, uh, the other two, you know, like, you know, I didn't even put this in the book. You know, I found out Mickey's mom actually 
put all his money in a trust. I don't think we put it in there because, you know, they go, yeah. oh, okay. So that's why he, really, smart. Yeah. he really didn't have to do TV shows and, you know, could do things like keep off my grass and stuff because yep. he didn't have to work at all if he didn't want no, to. He, he had, he had so. the money put aside. He was still getting royalties, you know, and, and he was doing fine. But he, you know, he liked to create and he liked to do it. I'm sure he would have rather been acting than, you know, doing some of the other stuff he was doing. Yeah. Um, but you know, no, but, he, he's got. It's come around. You know, it's good to see that they're finally getting the recognition that they should have gotten now. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and uh, so that's. I'm, I'm happy for them both. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I I still find it fascinating that you know I I actually uh, put the mask on and went to Barnes and Noble today, and they're getting magazines again, and mm. uh, there'll be a magazine devoted to say Led Zeppelin and a magazine devoted to Blondie and other magazines right, right. of course of the Beatles, but never a monkey's one it's like it just seems like you know well we, we might be we might be biased because you know we're fans where the average person wouldn't care that much you know they, they, yeah. it's, it's it's i can imagine people going why isn't there a kinks one you know i'm a big kinks fan too but you yeah. don't see about the kinks very often either i mean i, I i've got a couple yeah you know yeah. There's always going to be a fan group that doesn't understand why everyone doesn't agree with them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But I, I always thought, you know, the natural time, unfortunately, is when uh, Davey and Peter passed away, you know, yeah. to cash in, you know, but uh, uh, it didn't happen, especially when uh, Davey died. I was shocked, you know, there's a People well, magazine. That was, that was pretty southern, you know, that's, that's the key, too. You know, Davey's was unexpected, whereas Peter's was kind of, we kind of knew. Yeah, it's going to happen sooner or later. Yeah, you know, and it, it's like I guess you know, uh, I guess they won't get the respect of a Time magazine, even though you know Time put John Lennon and George Harrison on their covers at the time. So, yeah, so I don't know. Well, I don't want to put the monkeys in the same category as the Beatles. I'm sorry. You know, right. I'm a big fan, but you know, when John and George died, it was a much bigger. True, you know, true, true, and I'm sure when Paul and Ringo go yes. mm -hmm. far off in the future 35 Hopefully. years from now you know it's <laughs> like <laughs> um you know it's hard to believe ringo's 80 you know but anyway, oh, you know, anyway uh pretty healthy though i mean he, he cleaned yeah. his act up and he's you know vegetarian no drugs no drinking and that's why he's living so long i think too yeah. it's part of it that's the fascinating thing on him because i still have an article that i clipped way back when about 1978 79 or something and he had some sort of stomach problem that he said almost killed him that was related to the same stomach problem he had when he was a kid the peritonitis or something and it's like wow you know had he died and then lennon got shot the next year we would have had two beetles gone then it's like you know <laughs> and you know it was just kind of bizarre you know and then he turns out to be the healthiest one he's like doing jumping jacks on stage oh, yeah yeah and, you know, I watched his. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch his 80th birthday. Oh yeah, I watched that live. That yeah, was that was yeah. excellent. Yeah, yeah. Was, <laughs> and it's like, granted, he's just sitting there talking to the audience, but still, you know, he's alert. He he's alert, yeah. and he's you know, he's you know, and Joe Walsh came in. And he said, "How's it going?" You know, and all that stuff. He's yeah, not Joe like, Walsh looked a lot worse than Ringo. That's for yeah, sure. <laughs> and he's only like 72 or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, Ringo, Ringo, and Paul, and Paul also is you know obviously a vegetarian, been for many years. Yeah. Um, but I think Paul does, you know, smoke a lot, and that can't help him. Even though it's only marijuana, you know, it's still not good for you to, to smoke that much. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can still get cancer from it. Um, right. I think he has cut back, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not in his personal life, so I really don't know. I mean, the, the one thing, going back to the monkeys with, you know, this, is that uh, Mickey, even though he has a great singing voice, uh, he realized as he got older he needed to get, you know, 
training, you know, whatever on his voice just to keep it in shape because, you know, when you're in your 20s and 30s, you could just belt it out and scream and, you know, you might get a sore throat, but then a week later you're fine, you know. But yeah. when you're in your 70s, it's like you got to protect that thing, you know. It's well, like, hopefully he you know, and I hope McCartney has learned that because he was on um, oh, his voice Saturday Night Live 40th anniversary a few years yeah. and he did Maybe I'm Amazed and I was like, oh, I was no, cringing. No, quite a few times. Quite yeah. a few times I've heard I've heard Paul singing and going, Paul, you gotta stop. You gotta cut that song out of your out of your repertoire. Yeah, it's or just... sing it in a lower key or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, you know, I because agree. other Whereas other Mickey, artists do that. Mickey so. still sings. I mean, I you know, I heard him in concert just you know, a few years ago and he sounds as good as he ever did. You know, he's hitting all those high notes. I'm amazed yeah. with Mickey. He's got a great Yeah, voice. but he didn't do it naturally. He did get help, which right. is fine. I'm glad he admitted exactly. that because you know, I think the big and thing it might is have been it might have been from Nielsen, who's a good friend in, uh, of Mickey's, because Nielsen, as you know, really threw his voice out. He smoked right. too much. And he listened to his last albums, and they just, the voice is gone. You know, there yeah. really is. Yeah. And it's very sad to listen to some of those albums and hear yeah. that voice gone. Well, especially if you listen to A Touch of Schmielsen in the Night, and then... Right. And then Pussycats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, or, or do it on Monday, you know, and, yeah. and just you listen to those raspy voice. And it's like, oh, where did Nielsen go? You know, yeah. he didn't take care of it. So, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. But uh, uh, so, you know, I, I, I have heard Paul sing somewhere else more recently. So maybe he has gotten a, a coach to help him out because he sounded a little bit better than well, he on had. The album's. You can tell on the albums. You still, yeah. you know, if you listen to his most recent albums, you, you can hear the voice isn't quite there. Right. But at the same time, there's no straining that you hear live. So either either his producer changed the key, yeah. or they edited out all the bad ones. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, on the record, he sounds okay. Yeah, but um, I it was a live performance that I heard pretty recently that he had done right before this, or it might have been during the pandemic. I think it was during and. He sounded he sounded better, you know, and then, and I mean, thinking, well, maybe it's because he's also not touring every day of the year, you know. It's like he's had a chance to let it rest. Well, that's or true. If you have to, yeah. if you have to sing, the other thing about pouring, you know, as as someone who's performed live, yeah, you end up singing a lot louder just to hear yourself. You don't mm. realize it too, you know. You'll be at the microphone and it's really loud, and instead of just, you know, even if it's a quiet song, you know. When you're recording, you can be nice and quiet, you know, because the microphone's picking everything up. But when you're live, you scream it out. And that's right. going to be bad for your throat, you know? Yes. I, I was never the main singer. I was only backup, you know, so I didn't have that problem. But, you know, right. I could certainly see how that would affect somebody. Yeah. yeah. And I've always wondered, like, you know, you put on, uh, I'll put on a, a CD or a record. Or it's, I'll stream some music. Let's be current, you know. But, you know, after about five or six songs, I'm like, I'm done you know, singing along with the music, oh, okay, you know, yeah. yeah, and, you know, it's like, I think about these guys, and they'll sing, like, 15, 20, 25 songs sometimes, you know, and they're, you know, <laughs> how do they do it, you know, it's like, not yet, you got, you got to treat your voice like it's an instrument if you're the singer, you, you got, you got to, you got to drink, you know, the tea, and, you know, and, and not smoke, and, and, you know, yeah. take care of yourself, obviously, it's, it's, yeah, and I, I know people like Elton John, he had like nodules on the throat and stuff, and he had to get an operation, which saved him for a good 20 more years or something like that. Otherwise, he probably would have retired long mm -hmm. ago, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, got to take care of yourself. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, um, this has been fun. Nice uh, seeing you again. Yeah. Good seeing um, you. Uh, give another plug for the Constitution book and where you can get it and how they can talk, reach you. Sure. 
All of my books you can get at michaelaventrella.com. And if you go to michaelaventrella.com, there's also links to the monkeys books that we wrote together. Uh, and you can, there's links and reviews and you can read the first chapter. Um, also, if you go to my webpage, I will actually read the first chapter to you. I recorded a Zoom conference of me reading the first chapter so you can listen to it uh, for free. Um, so everything's available there. Just go to michaelaventrella.com. And if worse comes to worse, if you can't remember that, go to Amazon and just look up how to argue the Constitution with a conservative. It's available in paperback, hardcover, or ebook. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for being my guest today. And uh, I will talk to you soon. Thank you, Mark. Nice seeing you again. Good seeing you. Bye. Bye-bye. Twenty twenty was the first time kids asked, but why? And we didn't have an answer. As the world scrambled to fight COVID-19, the mental health of our youngest generation has been overlooked. Wanting to change this, we have created Monster Dance, the first multimedia picture book for children about life in the time of the pandemic, and give families the opportunity to provide an uplifting tale for the little ones in their lives. For this, we've assembled the mightiest of teams. Beloved illustrator Guy Gilchrist, author and Madeline Editions founder Eva Lu, physician and co-founder of Donate PPE, Dr. Karen Tsai, and acclaimed actor, and on this occasion, your narrator, Dennis O'Hare. Monster Dance follows Maurice, an endearingly melodramatic dog, and Charlie, an artistic little girl as they grapple with a world that's suddenly gone topsy-turvy. Available through Kickstarter as both a hard copy book and an enhanced ebook, Monster Dance is helping children better understand and overcome their coronavirus fears. Thanks to your support and pledges, we will be donating copies of the book and PPE masks to hospitals around the world. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Michael A. Ventrilla, for being my special guest. Episode number 85 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2020, Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night. Don't fall back Don't fall back Don't fall back